Hi friends, welcome to Growing as Grown Ups, where we believe each of us has the opportunity to keep growing in ways that can fundamentally improve our life effectiveness, our leadership influence, and our well-being. Through interviews, stories, and practical principles, we explore how you can accelerate your growth and unlock your potential to make the difference you want to make. And now, your hosts from The Leaders Lyceum, Dr. Sarah Musgrove and Dr. Keith Eigel. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Growing as Grownups podcast. Welcome back. If you've been with us for a while, if this is your first time, welcome. We're glad you're with us. Um, Sarah, what a fun conversation with Teresa Ward that you had. I want you to tell us a little bit about her, but folks, just get ready. She is like super, between the two of you guys, Sarah, you're both incredibly easy to listen to on the, um, uh, uh, you know, you just both have great voices for a podcast format. Maybe I should bow um, out and you and Teresa can just kind of take uh, it from here. I mean, we'd miss you, but that would be super fun. <laughs> oh, yeah, that, you had to think about that a really long time. Okay. <laughs> well, Tell us a little bit about Teresa. Oh, go essentially, ahead. you got to sit in on the kind of conversation that Teresa and I have when we meet up for coffee about once every three months, which is super fun. But yeah. Teresa Ward is a friend of mine that I met back in 2013 at a design thinking training we met in the lunch line and she just has such a magnetic personality we've been friends ever since um and normally i don't read people's bios i try to give a more organic description of who they are and what they do but her bio is so fun i'm just gonna read it so i think it gives a sense of of who she is because it's her own words so Teresa ward is a culture and productivity and productivity champion who helps teams thrive and make an impact Her previous roles in sales, product innovation, and relationship management all shaped her training approach that combines personal experiences with cognitive behavioral research. As the owner of the Fiery Feather, Teresa designs workshops and leads projects across various industries, including utilities, nonprofit, theater, hospitality, and healthcare. She is a professional storyteller, avid yoga practitioner, and a total TED Talk nerd. And I think that just captures her sense of whimsy and creativity, but she's such a a learner and a thinker and always kind of trying to push the envelope on what she's doing and what she's adding to the world. And on the heels of our summer series, where we ended with talking about Mm. values and legacy, one thing that we talk about in our programs a lot is this idea that your, your calendar, your checkbook, and your contacts give Uh, insight into what your values are and how your life is lining up with that. And so I thought in that spirit, her coming in and talking about time and how we use our time and how this element of time provides such a unique opportunity for us to look at ourselves differently and grow and make changes and all these different things. It would be a fun conversation. And like you said, she's just really fun and easy to listen to and all the things she's thinking about. So, um, any thoughts before we jump into the interview? Yeah, I guess, I mean, you guys cover a lot of ground. You go in and out of a lot of topics. Um, it's really fun. And I think after I, I listened to it and thought about, um, you know, for the listener, I, I want you to be thinking about, you know, pr- the, the kind of the values and soul and purpose themes that run through her description, her encouragement around how to be productive. Because normally when we think of productive, it's like number of keystrokes, right? Or it's, 
it's it's like a, a harder measure and and it's a I really like and I, it's a great follow up to the values discussion that we had in the last in the last episode. Um, the other thing that I loved is just her spirit of one size doesn't fit all, right? So you guys talk about it really overtly at one point, but it's not like, hey, let me give you the exact thing you need to do, but find the thing that changes the way you're living into who you want to be, which is a soul values, heart, you know, kind of thing. So anyway, um, let's jump into it. And uh, unless you have anything else you want to say, here is Sarah and Teresa. Teresa Ward, my friend, I am so excited to have you on the Growing as Grownups podcast. How are you doing today? I'm pretty good. I'm really excited to be here. Thanks for having me, Sarah. Oh my gosh. I love it. I love it. I, we had coffee, what, like a month ago, two months ago. And I yeah. just thought I need to get you on here to share with my listeners, some of the stuff you've been thinking about, some of the stuff you've been working on. So I'm glad it worked out. So thank you for giving us your time today. Yeah. Do you know, before we got on here, I looked it up. We met back in 2013. Like that, <laughs> I knew it was a while ago. It's <laughs> been a sure. minute. Yeah, it's been a minute. And we met back when you were working at First Data in the innovation space. Yeah. Um, and I always tell people that you are a collector of friends. And I love that about you. Um, and I'm glad that I was one of the people you collected that day. So tell me a little bit about kind of the journey from when I met you back in 2013 to where you are today working as this productivity and culture champion. I love the way that you described yourself. So kind of what are you doing now and how did you get to that place? Yeah, it's it's definitely been, um, as an, a fellow design thinking and innovation friend, it's been a squiggly line. <laughs> uh, it's It's been a relatively nonlinear journey. Um, I got a chance to, when I was at First Data and in the financial technology space and in the corporate space overall, wear a lot of different hats and um, dabble in a bunch of different roles. So collector of experiences, collector of friends. <laughs> I know you guys have been talking a lot about values on the podcast and like diversity and novelty is definitely a value of mine. It keeps things mm. interesting. But in the corporate space, I did some innovation. I did some training. I was in sales. I was in product. And when I left, I realized that kind of the common thread or the common value that I could add to um, the clients that I worked with or the projects that I was on was like clarity, structure, momentum, and productivity at the time seemed like, okay, that's kind of a nice umbrella term for those things that I can contribute to whatever project I'm working on um, in whatever industry uh, with whatever kind of team that I'm working with. Um, so it was really just a series of experiments, uh, <laughs> innovative low-res experiments, um, <laughs> failures and lessons that brought me to this place where I was like, okay, this is the consistent value um, that I can provide. I think I took it for granted in a big corporate company that, you know, a type A person working with a bunch of other type A individuals um, that everybody sort of in other industries, in startup environments, in creative craft spaces, that they would have that same kind of structure processes. <laughs> um, they, they don't, Every, everybody's at a different, a different place. Yeah. Um, and so it was really fun and engaging to say like, or to explore, oh, where am I, 
rare? Where are these things that come naturally to me valuable to other people? So that's where that's kind of up until this point. And then we'll talk a little bit about, you know, where, where this is going maybe, um, because I think productivity has become a much more loaded term. There's a lot of baggage mm. around this term yeah. as we've gone through the pandemic over the last 18 months. Yeah. And uh, I think it's shifted um, for what it means for a lot of people. Yeah, I definitely want to talk about that. That was what you shared with me that I was like, ooh, we got to talk about that. <laughs> it's juicy. But let me ask you this, kind of in this space of how you find a place where you get to bring a unique perspective and unique gift scenes and use those to serve your clients. What are the things about that work that you find the most rewarding or the most exciting about what you get to do and bring to those organizations? It's such a double-edged sword. Usually like our gifts can be our burdens or our, <laughs> our pleasures can be our annoyances. And, you know, it's yeah. like an interesting dichotomy. So I usually end up working with clients who have very different personalities mm. and, and different um, strengths and tendencies. And I am there to balance things out. So I might be working with a creative visionary who has this amazing strategy for the long-term picture and they're so motivated by their mission and I'm there to help organize the like in the weeds details, mm. you know, help them with project management or let's document yeah. the standard operating procedure. And so sometimes I will feel myself being like, oh, this is, this is hard because somebody isn't speaking my language. They don't have the same tendencies as I do. They, they aren't operating using the same tools and frameworks that I am. But then again, it's that beautiful diversity of perspective that allows us to sort of make something that's bigger than each of us could individually. Yeah. Does, that, does that kind of answer the yeah. question? Yeah, I love it because I think it's, it, shows, it shows what we've talked about um, before, in our uh, podcast on personality, I think, yeah, I don't even remember what episode that was, but how, when I'm at my best and I'm bringing the things that I'm best yes. at, the people that are wired differently need me and don't like me, <laughs> right? Like we are, yes. we are the most able to come to a complete better solution when we are partnering with that diversity, but it is the hardest work to do because as you said, they don't speak your language. They don't work the ways that we do. And so, and I love that it's not just you coming in and taking your style and telling these kind of free-spirited, creative, artistic people or <laughs> entrepreneurs, yeah. this is how you have to do, you have to be structured, you have to be efficient, you have to be these things. It's, it's you recognizing together we'll find a way that works for you, but bringing the skills and knowledge that I have to help make that better. Yeah. Is that yeah. fair? Yeah. And I think I've heard you say on the podcast before, you have to meet people where they are. Yeah. Um, so that's been a lesson, you know, that I've learned. Um, they say that there's a journey really when you go out on your own and you're running your own business from like kind of freelancer to consultant to true entrepreneur. And I think what's helped me grow in my own maturity as like becoming a grown up, an entrepreneur <laughs> um, is leaning into those areas of friction or tension or mm. even conflict. So I've learned so much over this last year about the value of conflict, healthy conflict. 
Um, and I, that's so relevant, not just, you know, for us as individuals, but what's going on socially, politically, globally, um, being able to, to hold space for that tension and that disagreement, work through it instead of shortcutting around it. And I think that leads to long-term productivity because you establish long-term trust in those relationship dynamics and, and bringing our authentic selves to that interaction and to that work. I love that you tied it to the long-term productivity because I was thinking as you were talking about this leaning into the conflict and the tension and creating space for that, I get a lot of people that say, I don't have time for that, mm-hmm. right? It's going to slow me down. We have stuff we have to get done. We just have to go. And, and so can you talk about why the value, mm-hmm. why there's value in slowing down to deal with that? Yeah. And how that leads to long-term productivity. I, I totally empathize with everyone who's in that mode because my default mode is just go <laughs> Yeah, and go as fast as possible because slow is, is scary sometimes, especially when we're living in this VUCA environment. I mean, that's an acronym. I don't know if you guys have talked about like a volatile, uncertain, complex, and ambiguous environment that the pandemic has brought us. Um, when, when we're faced with uncertainty it's like, well, I can't, I can't slow down. I can't drop the ball. And that's what'll lead to burnout. Um, I wish I could credit the person who, who said this. So we'll have to look it up and put it in the show notes. <laughs> slow is smooth and smooth is fast. Mm, like and that. that is something that I'm really trying to embrace in, in my work lately. And again, it's not, it's not natural, but it's important. And so part of that slow work is like you guys have been talking about self-awareness, knowing your personality type, examining your values, establishing your priorities. When you're trying to have a really productive day, one of the tools that I like using is that Eisenhower matrix, right? The two by two grid, important versus urgent and kind of plotting Mm. out, okay, I have a to-do list that's way too long. What do I do today? What do I do tomorrow? What do I delegate? What do I cross off my list? And the only way that you can um, sanely plot those things out on um, important versus urgent is to first know what's important. Yeah. And, and so that's the slow, the slow start that will eventually put you into these sort of more, I think, automated habits of filtering through the noise. Yeah. Um, knowing when to take a deep breath and when to just like let things go. <laughs> So how do you help people determine urgent versus important? That's a concept that mm-hmm. we teach a lot and I love mm-hmm. it. Um, so how does that come into the work that you do with your clients? I, I want to hear your definition of these two in case they're different than mine, because I want to keep you know, <laughs> expanding my, my portfolio in, these under, in my understanding of these concepts. But importance is like what will ultimately get you towards your North Star, your purpose, your long-term goals of, of who you want to be and you know how you want to be remembered. And that can be anything from financial planning to keeping in touch with your grandma, um, you know, like uh, yeah. having certain kinds of relationships, investing in your own learning and, and personal development by reading or listening to podcasts, going to conferences. The urgent stuff is anything that is time bound and has a clear pressured deadline on it 
And the things that are both important and urgent are the things that you want to prioritize in your day. The things that are urgent but not important, can you delegate those or can you, you know, crowdsource those? Oh my gosh, the fridge is empty. I need food for dinner tonight. Uh, Instacart, right? Like, <laughs> I can't prioritize going to the grocery store, right? So how can I delegate? How can mm -hmm. I automate? How can I leverage technology to help me out there? so that maybe I can spend a little bit more time in the important, not urgent quadrant, which is usually involving like long-term goals and relationships. Yeah. How do you guys that, think about it? Yeah, we think about it really pretty much the exact same way because we do this exercise with clients in our programs on the heels of values day, right? Once mm -hmm. we've had them take time to really name, um, we call their legacy statement, which is kind of the yep. same concept of a North Star, but what are the things that matter to you that you, and it's, we call it quadrant one, those things that are yep. urgent, but I mean, important, but not urgent that we find that we most often neglect, but then there's the other kind of quadrant of not urgent, not important, which is the like total zone out, you know, Netflix, Netflix binge or games on your phone, or just yep. the stuff that's not adding value in either camp. And what I find at least for myself and a lot of people I talk to is if I'm not doing that important, but not urgent stuff, yeah, I need more of that waste time waster stuff yeah, just to survive because I'm getting burnt out. I'm living in this urgent space where everything is pressure. And when I'm careful to get up in the morning and take time to read or exercise or connect with friends, yeah, the draw to turn on the TV or to pick up my phone is less. And so I'm getting more things that matter done, but in a way that is like that important stuff is life-giving to me. I am doing a horrible job of giving people credit for their quotes because I've been maybe just absorbing too much content <laughs> lately, but I did get an email yesterday <laughs> to look back at uh, whose newsletter it was, but it talked about like, create a life that you don't need to escape from. Mm. And it sounds like that's what you're referring to, right? So if you do yeah. invest in those important things first, it's, yeah, it fills your cup so that you feel like you don't need to, yeah, fill it with YouTube videos or junk food or <laughs> <laughs> retail therapy or whatever else. Yeah. <laughs> so let's use space, this as a launching, as a launching point then to move into this idea of how this idea of product productivity has changed for you recently and how it's not just getting more done. Yeah. So tell, tell us about what you're thinking in that space and how your, your work is shifting. I think a couple of years ago, it was really important for me to find and share the best path to optimal productivity. And I read all the books and, you know, did all the research and tried to sort of compile, ah, this is the framework or these are the 10 steps, or you need to be doing this in the morning and that in the afternoons, you know, everybody needs to be or a Google calendar or, you know, all of those specific things. And I think what I've not only learned, but more importantly, what I'm trying to embody now is how many different paths there are 
to get you to a feeling of productivity because that is what matters is the feeling of accomplishment at the end of the day, your ability to go to sleep with a sense of fulfillment and not with a sense of anxiety, with a sense of, oh, I did something impactful today instead of feeling burnt out or, oh, it wasn't enough. So I think I used to take productivity more literally. How many things can we check off our to-do list in any given day? And now there's a lot more um, soul infusion. (laughs) That's a strange term, but I just feel like soul is the thing that I'm leaning into right now. Um, And it's so important. And again, what's going on in... Our, our cultural and social and political spaces, if we are truly going to be allies and we're going to embrace diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging, um, if we are going to be trauma-informed and mm-hmm. you know, we're going to be, um, yeah, just seeing people and embracing who has to be more than one way to get to this sense of impact and results that we're looking for. Yeah. But that's hard because we all work for, I mean, whether, even if you're in a nonprofit organization, like there are clear metrics and they are relatively binary and either you meet your goals or you don't. Uh, So it's, it's a balance. It's a balancing act. And that is what I love doing is just being present and being a champion for people as they kind of teeter-totter and figure out where their balance is. Wow. A feeling of productivity like that. You and I are wired similarly in, I a, know. in a number of ways. <laughs> and it's like, I want the checklist. I want to quantify how much I've done, but how many days am I running, running, running? And I go to bed and I don't feel like I accomplished the things that really mattered. Right. Well, so it's back to that important thing. And as a, um, as a psychologist, you're probably familiar with these terms, but I'll, I'll share them for your audience. Have you guys talked about completion bias? We have not. Okay. So it's just basically the, the tendency to want to get things done be, when you're stressed out, whether they're important or not. It just feels good to, um, yeah, go grocery shopping, unit, even if you don't have time to do it. Or um, this is some of my clients are like, why do I keep doing the laundry instead of doing my projects? Um, Because they're at home. And um, how do you be productive from home? We've talked a lot about that in the last year or so. And it's because we just want to feel like we checked something off a list. So being aware of completion bias, I think, is one helpful element for people who are wired like you and me. Uh, And then the other thing that's been really helpful is the concept of Parkinson's law. And that is that you, that work will fill the available time. Mm -hmm. So if I told you that we had a really important presentation that we had to get done within 24 hours, we'd get it done. And if I told you that we had a really important presentation that was the same content, but it's not due for three weeks, we'd take three weeks to get it done. Yeah. And that phenomenon or that paradox when it comes to productivity, I think is really, really helpful for self-awareness. Isn't it amazing how sometimes when you put urgency on something important, you could get it done instead of like, eh, I've got a year to train for that (laughs) marathon or, you know, I've got 
months right. until right. my performance review or fill in the blank. You're not resorting to Netflix and cell phone games when you have 24 hours to meet an important deadline. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And you got to break it down into small milestones, right? How do you eat an elephant yes. one bite at a time? So setting those small, yeah. small, but urgent milestones, I think can help on your way to that feeling of fulfillment and celebration is the other key. Like yeah. we, we do a bad job of reflecting at the end of the day, you know, when you lay down in bed, Sarah, and you're like, what did I even do today? Like answer the question. Be like, you know what? I did a lot today for my family or for my business or for my mental health. Uh, and like, whether it's journaling or it's meditating at the end of the day, like I have now it's hundreds of slides long, but at the end of every week, I add a Google slide on what did I accomplish? What's coming up next? And where did I struggle? And it helped me just develop these patterns for my own, not just productivity, but my own personal fulfillment. I'm like, wow, I really enjoyed doing that. Oh, I really got that done ahead of schedule. Oh, I keep procrastinating on that. Oh, I feel terrible every time I take on one of these client projects. Why do I keep doing that? <laughs> so reflecting and celebrating on whatever you got done or whatever you even struggled to get done, I think could be really helpful too. Wow. So you do that every week and you just have this kind of ongoing list where you get to look yeah. for patterns and themes and that's really Friday cool. night and a glass of wine. <laughs> I have that's a, really yeah, cool. my epic social life. I think I just disclosed. <laughs> <laughs> so this question is, is a little personal. So you decide how much you want to share, but, um, as you have gone in this transition of moving towards more, more of this soul focused feeling of productivity, kind of focusing on the things that bring life. How has that changed you and not just your clients? Oh, that's such a good question. <sighs> yeah, it's, um, it's definitely what I said earlier about leaning into the tension and the friction as I grow as an individual and I have to get out of my own comfort zone and my own obsessive patterns <laughs> about, you know, my time management and my list making and, you know, um, managing me and my partner's schedule and all of those things from a personal perspective. It's just really allowing myself to sit with the discomfort of growth. Mm. Uh, yeah, yeah. Just sort of getting comfortable with the uncomfortable. Um, because of that Parkinson's law paradox, I know that I want my day to be filled with things that I have to do. And so I tell myself or visually represent for myself on my calendar, I start to create more like you have to get up and go for a walk. You have to meditate. You have to take a nap. You have to take a lunch break. Um, you have to read. And I, oh, oh, I have to read a book at the end of the day. Mm, how nice that somebody <laughs> told me I had to do that. So creating those sort of accountability-based white spaces has really helped me 
yeah, it put more, more emphasis on my own soul and my own fulfillment. Yeah. Yeah. I love that because it's you using your natural wiring, Mm -hmm. which is creating that accountability and that structure, but structure in order to create space for kind of the less productive air quotes in terms of you're not accomplishing anything that's going to bring in revenue or, you know, it's not doing laundry and, you know, it's, it's soul care and making that a priority for you, but using a structure and a way to do that. Right. And you better believe I color code it as well. Right. (laughs) Oh, perfect. Perfect. And Dr. Sarah, I'm glad, you know, for you to give me that feedback, because if that was like an unhealthy way to do things, you know, to kind of, I mean, I feel like sometimes there's multiple, there's multiple personalities living in my brain, but we harness them. (laughs) Yeah. But it's, you know, you can't just make yourself be somebody that you're not right. You can't say I'm, I am this way and I want to be 180 degrees different. And so, you know, for you and I to just be the total throw all structure out the window and just go with what feels fun in the moment and um, don't care about deadlines would not work. But then for people who are as the way you've described some of your clients and the the people that are better at more naturally kind of being in the moment and creating space for those things, they still need some element of accountability or structure to get the Mm -hmm. things done that need to be some, some discipline of some sort Mm -hmm. to help them without becoming overly structured and and locked down to some process that's going to feel really unnatural to them. Yeah. Yeah. I'd recommend if, if your listeners are sort of leaning into this and are curious to dig into this more, um, better than before is a book by Gretchen Rubin that, um, there's also like a free quiz online and you can find out what your sort of habit building and habit breaking tendencies are because there's those of us that are just um upholders obligers where we need somebody else and then there's there's rebels who just like need to wake up every day and be like maybe i'll make the bed today maybe i won't you know they (laughs) they need a lot of of um white space and permission and freedom to make their own decisions like in the moment spontaneously And in that book, um, there's a follow-up one called The Four Tendencies that digs deeper, but she also just talks about personality tendencies like, do you like novelty or do you like routine? Are you task-oriented or relationship-oriented? And knowing all of those things about yourself is so empowering, I think, in setting up your own version of productivity and then also, you know, doing it as a a team-building activity. Mm -hmm. How am I compared to other people on my team? Because you can't just set one calendar policy that's like, this is how we're always going to, you know, structure our days, or this is the only time of the week or the day when we're going to have meetings. You have to know where everybody else on your team is coming from as well. Yeah, that's really good. So why do you think time in this context of how we manage our time and what we choose to do with our time, why do you think that is such a a ripe area for leaders to look at how they're using it, how they're making decisions in terms of their own growth. It seems like such a kind of tactical um, metrics. Yeah. (laughs) But yet it is, you know, as you just shared for yourself and as we use with our clients, like there is something about time 
that we can learn a lot from. So do you have any Mm -hmm. thoughts on how that, why it is that time is such a ripe area for growth? I mean, that's why I've really like chosen this career because that is such a deep question. It's exciting to me that there isn't one specific answer. And I might've had an answer for you in 2018 that looked different in 2019 than it it does now. Um, So in one of my workshops last year, I asked people to give me words on their relationship with time. And I got everything from weapon to oasis. Wow. It's so fascinating. Uh, So I'm not sure we have enough time left on the podcast for me to try (laughs) and answer that question. Um, But I think it is worth leaning into. And maybe the first exercise, right, if if people want to explore that, is to think about what is their relationship with time? And, And is there a scarcity mentality around it? I'm sure it wouldn't take long for us to come up with a list of all of the terms that we use with time that are money related, how you invest time, Um, you know, what, oh gosh, how you spend your time. Um, Mm -hmm. How do you get more out of your time? Like there's an ROI for it. Yeah. Uh, We use so many money related words, um, but it's, it's not a resource that we can think of in those terms. Yeah. And it's, as I was telling, um, I think one of my stepkids the other day, time is the one thing you can't ever get more of, right? Like how you use your time. It's not a, it's not a resource in the sense that I can work harder and get more money. I can save and get more money, but yet those two things, time and money, really do provide a great window into values and priorities and, you know, just what's important to people. Yeah. Yeah. Time, time to me seems like, you know, a five dimensional construct that, you know, we're just like barely scraping the surface of understanding because we've all had those experiences where we do get more time back. And it feels magical when it happens. It's usually when we're not on our screens it's when, you know, we're in a place that we love being, mm-hmm. um, you know, where time stands still, quote unquote. Um, so how can we create more spaces like that um, yeah. and uh, minimize those areas of time suck, like YouTube videos <laughs> and doom scrolling and, uh, you know, thing, things like that. Um, yeah, I... I it's not linear like money is. It isn't a one-to-one. And I do think, you know, if you invest wisely um, with setting up some good values and some good productivity habits, um, you can do some really magical things with your time. Mm, I love it. That's the Uh, adventure. (laughs) I love it. I love it. And you've already established that there are so many different paths and approaches to productivity and in using time but I'm wondering if if there is like one piece of advice that you find useful for yourself and for your clients in terms of these decisions that we're making and these Mm -hmm. things we're putting in place is there something that you Mm. find kind of universally valuable that you would share (laughs) eat the frog 
eat the frog. Okay. Tell me yeah. what that means. Cause I don't actually want to eat a frog. <laughs> yeah. I think it's Mark Twain. Um, it's a quote that says, if your job is to eat a frog, eat the frog first thing in the morning. And it is basically a mental habit to minimize procrastination. So do the most important and urgent thing first thing in the morning. Do the thing you are dreading first thing in the morning. Um, if you do that, the rest of your day feels so good. And I, I'm not saying I do it every day, but on the days when I eat the frog, it's, it's a game changer. You feel so good. Um, so yeah, that might be working out first thing in the morning. That might be spending quality times with your kids first thing in the morning. That might be getting a PowerPoint presentation done first thing in the morning. It might be having, if you're an introvert, it might be holding your meetings or getting, um, hard conversations out of the way first thing in the morning, uh, but do it. And then you have a lighter heart and a freer spirit to enjoy the rest of your day. Eat the frog. <laughs> Never heard that. That's really fun. Yeah. Do you just practically now I'm so curious about this. Do you have to figure out what the frog is like before you go to bed the night before? Absolutely. Okay. I was like, I don't, if I wake up, I'm going to name the frog as something like stay in bed and snuggle my dogs. <laughs> <laughs> no, minimize decision-making, right? Okay. So um, if you minimize decision-making, like that the day of, then you can put your best brain energy into actually strategizing or delivering or negotiating or whatever your job is. So that's why Steve Jobs, mm -hmm. uh, you wear a black turtleneck every day, right? Because let's not make decisions about like, oh, what do I have to wear? Put that brain energy somewhere else. Mm -hmm. um, meal prepping, right? Doing all of your meal planning uh, the week before or the night before. So you don't wake up, open the fridge and stare at it and be like, oh my God, <laughs> what am I going to eat today? So I think as many of those decisions as you can get done the week before or the night before um, allows that like big, beautiful brain energy to go into those most impactful things in your day. Uh, reducing decisions. Yeah. I heard somewhere that we make, I can't remember if it was like 30,000 decisions a day or 300,000, maybe 30, but it was like this obscene number that I thought, I can't do that. Yeah. <laughs> right. So the more decisions you can make in advance, um, the more you get to devote your energy to the things that matter. I that's, love that. That's been my experience. Yeah. Oh, so good, Teresa. So as we start wrapping up, let me ask you, what do you have going on in the world that you are really excited about right now? It's such a strange time, but <sighs> yeah, what's, what's going on that's exciting to you? Uh, what I'm starting to look at, uh, believe it or not, right, we're recording this at the end of August, but um, my clients are already starting to look at end of year reflection retreat time and 2022 planning. And what excites me is the themes of those conversations are so much around vulnerability, connection, empathy, developing emotional intelligence, and shifting leaders away from status updates like, did you meet your goals this year? And yeah. What are your goals for next year? I mean, that stuff is so important, but it's framed in a way that is like, my leaders need to be good people coaches. 
Mm. How do I empower them to do that first and then trust that the results will come from that? I am sad that it took this pandemic, so much loss, so much struggle um, to to get there. But I think it is a trend that I, I hope continues. You know that I love that stuff. So just bringing the humanity yeah. into yes. business again, I think. The soul. <laughs> the, bringing back the soul. I love that. So where can people find you if they want to learn more about what you're doing, the services you offer? How do yeah. people learn about you and get in touch with you? Uh, well, we've touched a couple of times on like social media being a non-productive element. So I'm, <laughs> I'm no longer active on Facebook or Instagram, but I am active on LinkedIn. Uh, okay. So both either my name or the fiery feathers on LinkedIn, or feel free to visit the website and get in touch with me there. All right. We will put all of those links on our show notes okay, and on the website at growinggrownups.com. And y'all need to just follow Teresa and what she's doing. She is bringing just a great refreshing perspective to the business world. And I love this, this idea of the feeling of productivity in your soul rather than a checklist. I think that's, I need to remember that. (laughs) Sarah, you and I always have such great conversations and I'm so glad that this time we got to record it and and got to share it. So thank you for creating this space uh, for, for me to, you know, not only share some things that I've learned and that have been sort of tried and true, but also the space to explore um, what's relatively uncertain, but what I think is coming next. That's really fun. Uh, and I really appreciate it. My pleasure. Thank you. Just the gift that you are to our audience is great. And hopefully I'll get to see you in person again soon and we can yeah. keep talking about all this stuff. Sounds good. All right, Teresa, take care. Bye-bye. Sarah, once again, uh, way to go. What a fun interview. What a, I mean, the thread that ran through it was beautiful. You know, I think if there is a kind of a pragmatic takeaway for me um, at the end of listening to this is that if, if you don't prioritize an evaluation of how you're using your time, you're wasting time. I, I, in, a, in a weird, in a deeper way than I'm even, it's, it's more than just wasting time. It's like you're, you know, it was really poignant for me when you guys got into the talk about the urgency, importance, kind of the matrix, the four quadrants and, and our ability to sort of, when we're not really engaging in the stuff that matters to us, that we're not forced to do by the urgency of circumstances or job requirements or children or whatever it is that's forcing the important thing in, um, you know, that we t- we tend to kind of fart around. Am I allowed to say <laughs> that on the growing growth? <laughs> I, think, I think that's okay. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, because we're, because we need to deal with the fact that we're not really living into what we want to be about from a values perspective. And, and, um, you know, I, I, I'm dying to hear what, what you think now listening back to the interview after doing it, but the, but, but on the heels of our values conversation, um, we need to set aside time for to reflect on this. There, there is no easy automatic way to do this. And in the spirit of one size doesn't fit all, 
what works for you may not work for me and what works for me may not work for anybody in our audience. I mean, who, you know, and so it's like, um, it's like, I guess if there's an encouragement, it's just, you, you got to do a couple of these things, especially if you're feeling like you, like every day as you get to the end of a day and it's like, what did I even do? What am I even doing? You know, it's that yeah. kind of pressure. So I, I'll throw it to, throw it to you. Yeah, I mean, I think all that is really good. And the thing that has been just rolling around in my head is this idea of the feeling of productivity, right? Because it's not just, did I get a lot done? Did I cross stuff off my checklist? But did I, did I, was my day worth it, right? Did I do things that mattered? You know, obviously, did I get the things done that I needed to get done? But how much time did I, did I waste doing stuff versus using any margin of time for something meaningful? And I just think it really is true that if we pause and reflect on how we're spending our time, we learn so much about ourselves and can identify easy opportunities for growth. And, and I love that, that Teresa, I didn't even prompt her to say any of this stuff, but her reflection of the challenges that we face if we slow down to engage in them and have conflict and work through difficulties that not only does it make us grow, right? Which is what we talk about a lot, but it just in the long term makes you more productive because you're finding that alignment and you're resolving those tensions and you're you're focusing on what matters, which isn't checking something off and, and accomplishing a goal, but did I have healthy relationships along the way? Did I make sure people feel felt valued and heard as we were working on this project or, you know, whatever it is, am I, am I giving my time to things that matter when so, when so often, you know, we say, I don't have time for that. Yeah. And I, I was challenged by this years ago that somebody said, you have the time. You're just not making the time. You're not setting that a priority. You're using your time other places. So don't tell me you don't have the time. You have the time. You're just not choosing to make the time for this thing that matters. And yeah, so own that, own that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's an, it's, a, it's an ownership thing. It's not a blame thing, right? I don't have time for that. It's kind of a blame outside in it's orientation a little bit. It's an excuse, yeah. totally. Yeah. So um, I think in all of it, and that's, that's why I love what Teresa does, that it's not about how do I get more stuff done, right? Which is so often we think about productivity, but how do I use my time in the right way on the right things to both get stuff done, but also the way she said, create a life that you don't have to escape from. Like, yeah, yeah. That I, was I so beautifully said. Yeah. Yeah. Me too. Um, well, that's it. I think for this week's podcast, um, I hope you enjoyed it as much as we did. And, uh, Sarah, do we want to give them any info about anything that may relate to this? Uh, I, I really think for a lot of people, this is one of those things where you just need to go to a coffee shop, go to your favorite room in your house, go somewhere and think about what are the things that really matter to you that you're having a hard time getting to. And figuring out how you're going to bring a little bit of the joy that engaging in that pursuit would bring, 
you know, yeah. but by, by making time for it. And um, I think just to take that one step further, just a little insight into how we use this in our curriculum is not only kind of thinking through what are the important things that we're not giving time to, but actually looking at your calendar, thinking back yesterday, hour by hour, how did I spend my time? Yeah. And then comparing that to the, the choices that you wish you were making and seeing I'm spending way too much time, as you said, farting around and not enough time with family or reading or exercising or whatever it is that, that falls in that important but not urgent category. Yeah. I hate to say it because I'm not normally oriented like this, but it's a just do it kind of thing. <laughs> I mean, you got yeah. If you don't, if you don't create the space, nothing's going to change when it comes to this. So again, hope you enjoyed the podcast today. We will look forward to seeing you on the next episode of Growing as Grownups. Thank you so much for joining us for another episode of Growing as Grownups. Take a second and subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss any future episodes and tell your friends. You'll find all of the goods related to this episode, including the transcript, videos, links, and other ways we can help you keep growing as a grown-up on our website, growinggrownups.com. Growth isn't easy, but it's completely within your reach. Until next time, journey well, friends.